0: Summer is one of those times. I was, I was so happy whenever I looked out the window this morning and I saw the sun because I thought I'm going to start my preach by talking about summer and it actually looks like summer outside. So hopefully that will last until the end of the day. And, you know, who knows if it will continue to tomorrow but it's one of those times whenever you can kind of have lots of really grand plans. Maybe if you're like me, you have like a pile of books that you're finally going to read. Apparently the key is to read them and not just to keep buying them. I haven't quite learned that way around, um, but maybe this will be the summer, you know, whenever I read all of those books or you have like an exercise regime that you're finally going to start, maybe a new routine to establish, maybe the start of the year was really stressful for you and, and you didn't quite manage to get um, that routine that you were hoping to start at the beginning of the year, you know, go, going in your life and you're thinking like summer, Summer is the time, now that we've come into this time, we've got a lo- you know longer days all of these like hopes that we have for this season and all of those things are really good, they all come with the goal and the desire to kind of better ourselves and, and change our behaviours and um, change our experiences better our surroundings and we're taking the summer here at Central to explore a, a small collection of the one another's Statements in the New Testament, of which there are loads. So we are barely scratching the surface. Like Don shared with us last week, Paul said many of these, and Jesus said quite a lot of them as well, And, and they are really challenging. So I'm quite glad that we're only doing seven because they're pretty intense. Love one another, be kind to one another, be patient, be gentle, be humble, be compassionate, teach one another, admonish one another. That's going to be a fun week. Spur one another on, be hospitable to one another. They're just, they're, they're really, really challenging things to consider. You know, we can let them wash over our head, but when we really consider what does that mean for my life, Um, it can kind of get caught up in a whirlwind of oh my goodness, this is just more stuff that I have to try and do and be better at and if you're like me you might end up just feeling a little bit guilty about all of the ways that you discover that you're really not as loving as you wish you were or not as kind in that circumstance not as compassionate as you could have been there not as hospitable there these are not to become a list of things to master it's not a list of do's and don'ts but they are words that we really want to take to heart as a community of people, because as Don shared with us last week, delving into these words will help us as we seek to become more, fam- more like family together. And that takes time. You know, it takes time and it takes attention And it takes revision. We need reminders and we need prompts of how to relate to one another. Because we are on a journey together and we want to be transformed. Not just to become better versions of ourselves, but to become more like Jesus who we follow. That's our desire. Because each of these statements is less, I think, about how we behave And it's way more about who we behold it's less about how we behave and it's more about who we behold because each one of these statements that we will look at over this over the summer finds its most perfect embodiment and its fullest expression in jesus and so i want you to hold that in your mind as we continue exploring this this morning we're honing in on just a few verses today, looking at some of Paul's words to the Ephesians, to the church in Ephesus. Paul came to know Jesus after his resurrection. He had a huge life transformation. He planted churches all over and he wrote them lots of letters to keep in touch with them after he had left where they were to teach them, to keep teaching them and keep reminding them of the things that they were holding on to. And Ephesus is one of those places. So when we read this, it's helpful to remember that he's writing to people that he knows really well that he's deeply invested in and that he loves dearly which is helpful because paul says a lot of really challenging things so it's helpful whenever you remember oh he was he also loved them that's a really good thing chapter four is where we're going in ephesians today we're starting at verse one i'm going to read it a couple of times because we're just reading a couple of verses today as a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love As a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come and breathe on these words and bring them to life amongst us. We want to hear your words to us. We want to receive your prompts to us this morning. So we open ourselves to that together and we thank you for these words. Amen. So at this point in the letter in the Ephesians, it's a bit of a threshold. Up until here, Paul has been concerned about uh, talking about the details of God's plan in Jesus. If you read the first bit of Ephesians, that's what you'll read. The good news of Jesus and how we as believers are included in that plan. It's been very macro, like it's all up here. But as the letter moves on, so from about chapter three, towards its conclusion, it's concerned with grounding this big picture stuff in the lives of the believers in Ephesus, which makes sense to us, doesn't it? Because you can only ride on the big and the epic and the cosmic for so long. At some point, the question comes to you, yes, but what about my actual life here? How do I live and keep on living in the light of all of that big stuff that I believe? And that's what I think some of these kind of one another moments give to us. They're an invitation to ground the good news of Jesus in our lives. To learn how to do that daily work of living in the light of the gospel. Living in the light of Christ as we relate to each other and to those around us. Like I said, it's less about how you behave and it's more about who you behold. And that's how Paul starts us off. He says, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. In other words, live a life that matches up. Live a life that matches up. Paul is all about bringing things into the open and we should be too. So when he is imploring these believers to live matched up lives for Jesus and when we take on that same command, we know in our hearts, don't we, that we really need to hear that because we're prone to the opposite. Everything else that follows here from Paul is from a desire to see these people that he loves live integrated lives of faith that find their true north in jesus and not anywhere else it is deeply challenging live a life worthy of the calling that you have received find your true north in jesus and not in anywhere else if you know me at all you'll know that i'm generally pretty opposed to new technology i'm a bit of a luddite quite proudly I'm, quite, I'm definitely a skeptic. So when someone like Zach Rob comes to me with some new app that's going to change my life for the better, my response is generally like, yeah, sure, for six months until the next new app comes out. And then that'll last for about six months. And then the next one will come. And that'll last for about six months. And by this point, he's left the conversation. And when I reflect upon it now, he doesn't actually talk to me about that stuff anymore. So I wonder if there's something in there, but even in my resistance, I am tied to and I am reliant on technology, which has helped me greatly and hindered me massively. When I was little and we went on holiday, we used a paper map to plot the journey. It was a big book and it lived in the car. I mean, I say we, but I was not involved in that. I was sitting in the back seat in a world of my own imagination. And then I arrived wherever it was, but my family had to use it. You know, my mom and dad did. Um, there was no other option because satnav had not been invented yet. When I did my Duke of Edinburgh award in school, we used a compass, a plastic compass and a map. I didn't know what I was doing with them but I had them on my person and probably questioned my use of them greatly whenever I was scaling the side of a mountain, thinking, this can't possibly be right. I am 15, what am I doing here? But now, to my great shame, I don't know if, I'll, if anyone else will, will agree with this in the room, but now, I use Google Maps to get me to places that I already know how to get to. Does anybody else do that? I use Google Maps to get me to places that I already know how to get to, it's not okay. I'm grateful for it because my terrible sense of direction would definitely leave me lost without it, but it does the job for me, you know? Like so many technologies, I don't have to know where North is. I don't have to know what my password is. I don't have to know what way up the map goes, you know? I just follow the blue dot. There is little that is intentional and there is a lot that is passive. And I wonder if that is something important that we can learn from this opener from Paul. Don't live a passive life. Don't give in to the encouragement from the world around you to just do what's good for now or what serves you now. Think long game, think congruent. Think a matched-up life, live a matched-up life where your internal desire to follow Jesus is the most important thing about you, where you intentionally do things that move you towards him and not away from him, that make you more like him and not like the world. Live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. When was the last time you thought about the calling that you've received? We say those words a lot sometimes. This is not about a calling to something in particular. Like I said, it's about who you behold. This is a calling to Jesus. Has anything muddied that vision of Jesus for you? Doubt or your circumstances, family, health? questions social media the news has anything caused you to become more passive in your faith in recent days like you know that it's important you do you know it's important but so are all of these other things too and somehow the balance just kind of shifts here's a question have you checked in with your desire recently And what I mean by that is, do you want to be with Jesus? Do you want to be with Jesus? Now of course, every person in this room would want to say a resounding yes to that at every point and every moment of the day. But if we're honest with ourselves, we know that that's not always the case. We know that that's not always the way that we feel our desire is not always there and it's so important it's so important to observe that because our habits and our disciplines which we try and cultivate in our lives and which we keep turning the handle on and think if i just if i just get that bit sorted if i just get that bit sorted then everything else will be fine if i can just like figure out my routine with god then then everything else will be fine and i'll get back to that place that i want to be in But our habits and our disciplines they find their best foundation in a desire not in a duty duty will only take you so far but desire will last you for the rest of your life so ask yourself that honest question and maybe it's something to reflect on later do i want to be with jesus if yes amazing (laughs) that's great and i know for some of you that is your answer but if the answer is anywhere less than that even just a little bit south take some time to consider why is that what's changed within me what's caused my desire to wane it's from that place of beholding Jesus and of reminding ourselves of what we have been called into and invited into it's from that place that Paul goes on to give us these instructions. Now, Don said I was going to be looking at one today, but annoyingly, this verse gives us four to look at, so we're just going to have to keep going. Be humble, be gentle, be patient, and bear with one another in love, or endure with one another. Before we get to the application of what these attributes look like in our lives, I want to talk about why they might be there. Why, why these four? Why humility? Why gentleness? Why patience? Why bearing with? Why endurance? Now, we know that they're important characteristics to develop. We know that because when we've experienced them, we've really enjoyed them. Like, don't you, don't you know the spaciousness that is afforded to you by a humble person who makes room for you in their lives? Haven't you found solace in gentleness? We've all appreciated when someone has been patient with us, especially when we don't deserve it. And we know that we can be incredibly grateful for those in our lives who endure with us, who bear with us through thick and thin. Yet they're rarely what is lauded in our society, are they? I mean, you're not going to like put those on your job application and, you know, tell, tell people like, well, I'm actually just incredibly humble and gentle, incredibly patient, and I love to bear with others in love, you know? They're not words that, w- that we talk about. We, we're, we're told to work harder, and we're told to work faster, and we're told to work smarter. Why figure out how to read a map whenever your phone is going to do it for you? But you see, whenever you behold Jesus... When you behold Jesus, you are not going to get an experience that is faster and smarter. You are going to get these kind of things. That's why Paul is bringing them to us. Not because they're admirable or commendable or even because they're good. Whenever we read these things, our mind should not go to how do I develop more of these in my life? How do I become more humble, more gentle, more patient? How do I endure... Our minds should not go to how we make more of those things in our lives. It shouldn't go to our behavior. It should go to the one we behold. Our minds should go to our Savior, Jesus, who is all of these things, all of the time. It is all meant to lead us to Jesus. How do I desire more of Jesus? More of his humility, his gentleness, his patience, his endurance. How do I find those things in my community, in church, in family, in friendships, in in this city? Because if you're looking for earthly humility, you will find it, absolutely. But you know what? It's eventually going to extinguish. Because our pride is always there, right? Always. If you look to Jesus for humility, you will be humbled by one whose humility took him from the throne of heaven to this earth to live and to give his life for us. Similarly, if you're looking for earthly gentleness, it's only going to last so long. Why? Because we get offended so easily, don't we? I know I do and our guard goes up and our words and our thoughts become unfeeling and harsh. But if you look to Jesus as a source of gentleness you will find one who in his own words in Matthew 11 said, come and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. He didn't say learn from me because i'll show you how to be better how to hustle how to be powerful or how to make your way here he said learn from me and you will learn gentleness you will learn my kind of gentleness learn from me and you will learn humility humility and gentleness that will bring rest to you and to others If you try and work patience up by yourself, if you're anything like me, that piece of string is gonna be pretty short. Because we hate inefficiency, don't we? We hate waiting and wasting time. But if your vision is Jesus, if the patience that you're seeking is his patience, that is a patience that will remain. And it's also a patience that we don't have to try and work up of our own effort. We learn from who he is because he is steadfast. It's not just something he does, it is his character. We need a fresh vision of Jesus as we come to be with one another. And i think that is what paul is trying to communicate here as we seek to to grow in living matched up lives and developing this way of love within our own lives and towards others we need to know and keep remembering the source of it all and we get to follow in his footsteps to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received which is a road of loss and a road of gain because Jesus-like humility and gentleness will cost you. It will, it will cost me. It will mean that there are things that we don't get, but that others do. It will mean extending Christ-like gentleness to others when we don't think they deserve it. It will mean less of us and it will mean more of him It will mean doing really worthwhile things for God's kingdom that are unseen and unknown and unglamorous and deemed unnecessary by everyone around you. One anothering is hard work, It is really hard work. Bearing with one another in love will not always be your first choice, but it is what Jesus did for us and to us and it's the way we're invited into it is the life we're invited to lead it is a life worthy of the calling that we've received and so uh, as i've read these i wonder that maybe patience is one of the most important of these four characteristics that we see here maybe patience is the key we have quite a loose maybe even like a weak understanding of what the word patience means, you know, we think of it as like sereneness or calmness, even piety, like oh, such a patient person, you know. The word patience, it doesn't just mean like to wait for it, it comes f- from the, the, the Latin word, the root of it means to suffer, you know, it means to suffer, that's what the word patience means. And that's not often how we think of patience, but maybe it would help if we did, because patience is difficult, right? Patience is not easy. It is not an easy thing to cultivate in our life. Patience is suffering through. Patience is endurance, which I realize sounds like an incredibly cherry note to end on today. But it's an important one to hold on to for us as we consider how we live with one another. We are called to endure together. We are called to stand with others in and through their suffering and their hardship, the big things and the little things. Henry Nowen says that patience means paying attention to what is happening right before our eyes and seeing there the first rays of God's glorious coming. Imagine if that was what you looked for. Imagine if you were looking for the rays of God's glorious coming, which is an easy thing to say on a Sunday when you're in church, and it's a much harder thing to do on a Monday in the midst of your life. But imagine if you held on to that, if you kept a vision of Jesus as the clearest thing in your life, if that was what you began to seek again. As we seek humility, we will see Christ's humility, and we will extend Christ's humility. As we live gently, we will see the gentleness of Jesus, and we will extend that gentleness. We are patiently enduring with one another bearing with one another in love towards a greater hope that is held in Jesus because while this earth is a beautiful home for us now, we are sojourners here. It is much less about our efforts and our behaviour when we hold a fresh vision of Jesus because that's the thing that will sustain us in the here and now in a way that no other vision will How we behave and live is only the overflow of the one whom we behold, the one who we are captivated by. There's a little bit that I didn't read from this passage. It's just the next verse. And I think it shows us some of the purpose of all this and the purpose of this series as well. And it's how I want to finish. Because you see, as we consider these one another statements, this is not a pursuit for the individual this is not just about what you do and how you live out there in your life this is for us for the people that you are sitting in this room with right now and for the wider body that we are a part of like don was sharing last week it's plural it's not singular verse 3 in this chapter goes on to say this make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace the heart of it the heart of all of these things is for unity and we have to make that effort there's a reason that's what paul says because he knows that we're not always going to want to As we seek this patient endurance, as we kindle or rekindle a desire to be more like Jesus, and as we open ourselves to pursuing a fresh vision of him and seek to be humble like him, to be gentle like him, to bear with each other in love like him, the goal and the hope and the outcome is greater unity, greater oneness Not division, not individual pursuit, not me in my small corner. The prayer that Jesus prayed for us in John 17 was exactly this unity. I pray that they would be one, just as you and I are one. And that takes patience, and it takes humility, and it takes endurance, and it takes gentleness. And there is no better place than to, to seek that than around the table of the Lord's Supper, communion, which is, as Don said, what we're going to share in just a moment. Because this is the place where we get to lay down our agendas. It's the place where we get to say sorry and seek forgiveness and wholeness. It is the place where we are promised encounter again and again and again with this humble and gentle and patient, enduring Jesus. It is where we get to renew a desire to be more like him. It is the place that we don't have to fix a lot of stuff before we come. We're just welcome. We're just welcome. And so importantly, it is the thing that we get to do together. Dawn's going to lead us in that in just a moment but remember that as you approach this moment we are in this together maybe catch someone's eye as you walk up look around you remember that you're not just here by yourself we are in this together whether you know loads of people here this morning or whether you know no one none of us are alone here this morning that is the beauty of the church This place of receiving communion together is the most precious place of one anothering that we can ever find. And it is a great place to start fresh and to remember. So before I pray, let me read those verses to us once again. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So Jesus, we we want a fresh vision of you. We want a fresh vision of you. We want a renewed vision of you. Because our desire is to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. But we know that we need your help. And so where we have tried to strive, would you come and lay your hand upon us so that we can be stilled by you and learn from your humility and your gentleness embrace your patience and learn endurance from the one who endures to the end and would you lead us in the way of unity and let this moment of sharing communion together be just a little taste of that and another step for us in that show us the places where we need to make every effort and give us a desire to do so let our desire for you be renewed this morning as we share together as we sit with one another as we worship you together as we talk with one another renew these bonds of unity within us and renew a fresh desire for you Amen.